So since the end of November, which was the beginning of this um, church calendar year, we've been ending each worship service with a what question. Actually, two what questions. But today we're going to open this sermon with a couple of why questions, a few why questions. And so the first why question is this. Let's say you come home from school. I did not know that. Did anyone know that? That kids can clean bathrooms? <laughs> it's a new one. So say you come home from school and your mom is standing there waiting for you and she says, hey, Jimmy, go clean your bathroom. And you ask, why? And your mom replies, because I said so. You know the drill. You got the manual. All right, how about this one? You and your friend Susie... You're perched at the top of a platform with nothing to keep you safe but a bungee cord tied to your ankles. And just before you're pushed off, you turn to Susie and you say, Susie, why are we doing this again? And Susie replies, why? Why not? Man, you guys are good. Why not? And off you go, plummeting toward the earth, trusting some joker with a rope to save you. Alfred Lord Tennyson, y'all know my pal Al Tennyson, he's telling you this story about 600 soldiers in the light brigade and they're charging forward into the valley of death and you wonder to yourself, why would anyone charge forward into a valley called death? And so you ask Tennyson, you ask why? And Tennyson replies, theirs is not to reason why, theirs is but to do and die. (sighs) And finally, this one. You've had a year of tragedy, of unimaginable loss, of sickness, struggles. And so there you are, standing out in your backyard looking up to the sky, And you ask, why, God, why is this happening to me? I wonder sometimes, is there an answer? Or are we even supposed to ask that question? Or or like cleaning our rooms, are we just supposed to keep our heads down and do what we're told? Or like the light brigade, are we just supposed to do what we do and then die? I imagine it's a question many of us, most of us probably have asked at some point, why is this happening, God? Why me or why her? Why my child or my parent? And even if no one says this to us, sometimes we think to ourselves, maybe out of guilt or shame, we think, you're not supposed to question God. You're not supposed to ask God why. Where is your faith? But today, we see another example, one of many in Scripture, where somebody does question God. Specifically in our story today, Naomi questions the goodness of God toward her and toward her family, which makes me come back to that question. Wait, can we question God? And if we do question God, will we get an answer? 
You might remember from last week that Naomi has every reason to cry out, why God? She's lost her husband. She had two sons. Both of them got married. They've been married for 10 years with no children, and now they too are dead. And she's alone. Well, almost alone. Walking with her back to her hometown in another country is Ruth, her daughter-in-law. Back when she left for Moab where they met Ruth, back then her family left because their kitchen cabinets were empty. It was a famine. But now, she says, my life is empty. My soul is empty as I return. And this is what happens. This is Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. So the two of them went on, Naomi and Ruth, until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman, women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today. Some of us came here this day alone. Some of us with a companion, a friend. Some of us come here feeling full of life, Lord. Some of us have gathered feeling empty. But we all come here to you, the author of our salvation, the one who shares his light even in the darkest of nights with us. So speak to each and every one of us. Give each of us a word that you have just for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the trip from Moab back to Bethlehem to be, seems to have been rather uneventful. But Naomi's arrival in Bethlehem, now that was an event. The word that's translated in our translation as stirred, it, it, it ain't a gentle like James Bond kind of stirring. Like it's more of a, a shaking. In, in 1 Kings, the same word, hum, is used to describe the joyous uproar that resounds throughout the city when Solomon is anointed as king. So yeah, Bethlehem is shaken a bit by Naomi's return. And you got to believe, like, the women are full of questions in town of their own, like, where is Elimelech? Where are their boys? What happened to Naomi? And who is this Moabite woman with her? Can this really be Naomi? To which Naomi responds, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Names are, are kind of a funny thing, I think. A lot of times they can carry weight in our lives for who we are. Too much weight sometimes, I think, for something that we didn't have any control over. So if you have a parent here and you're upset about your name, you can turn to them now and let them know. 
I mean, though, for real, has anybody here ever thought of changing their name? Anyone here go by their middle name because they didn't like the first choice the parents gave them? <laughs> Happens. Anyone ever look up the meaning of their name? Right? Yeah, that's a fun thing. Like, I, I've got a classic name, right? And kind of appropriate for my calling in life. Michael is from a Hebrew name that, by the way, itself is a question. Who is like God? And the answer is no one is like God, right? It's, it's a non-answer. My name is rhetorical. <laughs> Who is like God? I have a friend, though. Her name's Mora. And she still remembers the day she looked up her name and was bitterly disappointed by its meaning. Actually, she has a really fun story about her name. She remembers growing up in the 80s. And if you remember the 80s, back in the day, like you could get souvenirs with your name on it everywhere, keychains, mugs, and little license plates you could put on your bicycle. And her sister, Michelle, her dad would always come back from a business trip with a keychain for Michelle. Michelle has been to Tennessee. And Mara, Mara's keychain would always say, number one daughter. <laughs> Nobody made a Mora keychain. <laughs> Nobody made a Mora mug. No Mora license plates. And when she looked up the meaning of her name, Mora, she learned why. Mora means bitter. <laughs> bitter. I had to use this. I broke my trend of the slides I'm using for names. Just because I love all the flowers that make it look so pretty behind the meaning of her name. Bitter. Unless those are bitter herbs. Maybe that's what it is. Like, who would name their child bitter? Who would choose the name bitter? No one would choose to be called bitter. Except Naomi did choose that name. And really quick, just, I don't want to give her a bad reputation. Mora is not bitter. She's a pretty awesome lady. She's a great writer. For the record, she just published her first book, 102 Days of Lying About Lauren. It is a Junior Library Guild Gold Standard Selection. Go Mora. But Naomi, she was feeling like anything but a gold standard selection. She was feeling like anything but God's chosen people. The Lord Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has brought me back empty. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, by the way. Because the Lord has dealt harshly with me. The Lord has brought calamity upon me. You can hear echoes of that question. Why, God, in her words? You can hear echoes of that question. Why, God, ringing out in her choice of names? Why, God, why would you do this to me? Why? Anybody here ever been in that place? Why, God? It's a terribly hard place to be. I'm sure it was terribly hard for Naomi to go about her day struggling to eat, struggling to have hope, and to hear people call her continually pleasant, pleasant, hey, pleasant, and she's feeling anything but pleasant. Call me bitter. Don't call me pleasant. She's every right to be bitter because if God is the author of our lives, he's telling a horrible story with Naomi. 
If God is control of everything that happens to us, then why did God let it get so out of control in her life? Names do carry meaning in our lives. I have another friend, Tessa. That's it. That, that's how I met her. No last name, nothing. She's like Cher or Madonna, just Tessa. So I asked her, like, because I have no tact, like, hey, what happened to your last name? Where'd it go? Did you lose it? And she told me. She had a tragically abusive father, and as often happens, it led to a tragically abusive husband. So we man- when she managed to get her divorce and get her life started over, she didn't have many options. Like, did she want that reminder of her husband following around her first name the rest of her life? Did she want that reminder of her father following her around for the rest of her life? Who would? So she said, I became Tessa. Just Tessa. That's who I am. Then she married one of my best friends from college, and she became Tessa Terawitiankut. And she found a bountiful harvest of joy and a crazy last name in her life. A name can say a lot about a person. What does your name say about you? What story does your name tell? Naomi, taking the name Mara, told a story of her bitter feelings toward life and her bitterness toward the way that she felt God had dealt with her. But thankfully for us, the the book of Ruth tells a story that reminds us that our God does not work like that. I mean, it's right there in the very next line, the answer to Naomi's unspoken question, why God? It's right there in the next line. And the author wants us to notice, like, it it shoots back in time. Because just before this, Naomi had arrived in Bethlehem and told everybody, no, call me Mara, call me bitter. And then the author says, so Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. Did Naomi return alone? Was she truly empty of everything? No. She came back, in fact, with the most unlikely of companions, Ruth a Moabite. And if we don't realize how incredible it was that she would come back with one of Israel's ancient enemies at her side, the author says it again, a Moabite from the country of Moab. You don't need to say that. Like, no one says, this is Bob. He's a Canadian from Canada, right? Like, we don't need this unnecessary information, but the author wants us to realize how incredible this is, that no, she is not alone. That a Moabite, from Moab, no less, has traveled with her. And not only did this Moabite from Moab stay with Naomi, when they returned to Bethlehem, it was the beginning of the barley what? Harvest. It was time to reap. 
what God had been sowing in their lives. The harvest was plentiful. Bread, hope, had returned to the house of bread, Bethlehem. God is still working all things together for the what? For the good. God has been working things together from the good from the beginning, bringing order to the chaos before creation, bringing order to the chaos of our lives, harvesting all of our bitterness and brokenness and weaving it into redemption. Yes, we live in a fallen world, a broken world with broken people, broken lives, broken relationships, broken bodies, broken hearts, a broken planet. But God is still there working all things for the good, hard things. You know, broken things happen to us all the time. We can all attest to that. And so often it feels like there's no rhyme or reason to it. And I think sometimes it's our search to find a reason for those bad things that lead us to look to God. Look to God? How about maybe blame God in our bitterness? is the better word. Because why God sometimes is another way of saying, you did this, God. You're responsible. When really it's God is the one who's offering us the strength to struggle through those hard times and to come out on the other side. Even in her bitterness, God gave Naomi the strength to make a journey from Moab to Bethlehem in the wilderness, the fact that she survived is divine. God gave Ruth the strength to walk alongside her. The same God that gave us Jesus to walk alongside us. Emmanuel, his name means what? God with us. And even Jesus, by the way, wasn't immune to the why question. I mean, when Jesus, like Naomi, was abandoned, when he was alone except for a few women who stayed with him up to the cross, three Marys, by the way, his mother, her sister, and Mary Magdalene, three Marys and one disciple, all that was left, and more pain than you could ever imagine. And there, on the cross, what did Jesus do? He asked, why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't the first one to ask that question. He actually quoted the opening words from Psalm 22. And if you go on, how many of us have said something similar? Why are you so far from me? I cry day by day, God, but you don't hear me. Jesus wasn't the first to ask why, God. He's not the last to ask why God. But here's the thing. Even as Jesus was asking this question, why God, he was becoming the eternal answer to that same question. Even as he was asking why God, he was becoming the harvest of God's great plan of restoration that he had planted so long ago outside the Garden of Eden. So here's our question we've been asking this year. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus asked the same question so many of us ask. Why God? 
And then he became the answer to that question. Even as Jesus, like Naomi, like Tessa, had his own name changed, Jesus even changed his name, right? He was Jesus of Nazareth, and now he's Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah, our salvation. Jesus the one who will ultimately fix all of our brokenness, all of our hurt and our shame, our pain and our suffering. Jesus became the answer. Why, God? Because the world is broken. I didn't do that, God says. I'm not the one who broke it, but I am the one fixing it. I'm the one bringing order out of chaos. I'm the one who gave my only begotten son so that all might have life. So stay with me, and I will stay with you. Which leads us to the second question we ask each week. Now that we've heard what Jesus did, what will I do? What will you do? What will we do? For many of us, like Jesus and like Naomi, we're still going to have those moments where we ask, why God? And that's all right. It's okay. Like, it's okay to ask. We're in good company when we ask that question. Really the best company, right? And I'm pretty sure God is bigger than our questions and our periodic doubt and bitterness. I mean, like, who is like our God, right? No one. He's bigger than that. Just this week, I had a, I had a moment. And, and I have to say this up front. I know my mom's birthday. I know what day it is. I've known her birthday for the past 40-some years. And this week even, like... I called my brother at the beginning of the week and I said, hey, Brennan, don't forget, like we got each other's back. Mom's birthday is this week. She's going to be 79. It's a big one. We got to make sure you do something. I bought her a birthday card. I asked care team to pray for her since I knew my brother and I wouldn't be there with her. And, and Mary even sent her a card and it got there before mine. I looked up airline prices to maybe fly her here for Lily's graduation. I thought, hey, that's a nice birthday present, right? And they got, now we got a new air, air terminal with direct flights back to Indiana. And so I call her on Friday. It's not her birthday. And I'm like, oh, you know, just want to say hi. So I'm not going to mention it, right? I'm going to play it cool. And we're talking. And after a couple minutes, she says, Mike, you know, my birthday was this week, right? Was this week. And my response was, yeah, it's tomorrow. And she says, no, it's yesterday. And I was like, no, it's tomorrow. Like I could convince her <laughs> that she, did, she got it wrong. She was there. I didn't come around till later. I don't know. I was like, well, how did I mess this up? Like I told everybody about her birthday. How did I get it off by two days? I was off by two days. And I told her like, I'm like, hey, mom, I, I do know your birthday. I just clearly just don't know what day it is in life. I know your birthday. But then as we were talking, it hit me. Because if yesterday, Thursday, was her 79th birthday, then that meant today, the Friday, the day I was talking to her, 
would have been my dad's 80th birthday. He'd been gone for 20 years, and it, man, see, even when I say it, I can still feel the, and it got me wondering if I had subconsciously, like, pushed it back. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want it to happen, so I'll just kick it down the road a couple days because I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what I'm supposed to think about it. Like, I still haven't found my answer to that why question. I've still got that bitterness in my heart 20 years later. And in my brokenness, I hurt my mom. <laughs> I didn't call her on her birthday. I even talked Liz into, th- like, Liz is like, no, her birthday's not Saturday. I'm like, no, her birthday is Saturday. She's my mom. I think I know when her birthday is. And then Liz feels horrible because she didn't say anything. And in my hurt, I just kept hurting. Like my hurt just fell all over everybody, spewed out and hurt. My brokenness was all over the place. It's who we are. It's, It's what we do, right? We're hurt and we break and then we break some more all over everybody. But what Ruth reminds us, this book, is that even in our brokenness, in our darkness, God is there with us wherever we go. He's with us in our hearts, broken as they might be. He's with us in the people who God brings into our lives, even the Canadians from Canada. God is with us through them. And the seeds that God planted 20 years ago still continue to grow. Like Lily will be 19. I'm sorry, Liz, this year. (laughs) She was born one year after my dad died. John will be 16. His middle name is Warren. The same as mine. Same as my dad's and his dad's before that. Warren. It means loyal, protector. It means friend. Like Ruth, which in Hebrew means friend. Ruth, who didn't cause Naomi's suffering, who didn't cause Naomi to ask why God, but who was a friend in a difficult time, She didn't cause the question, but she became part of the answer. She became part of Naomi's salvation. Amen? Amen.